This is Unreddited with countless screaming Argonauts for the week of July 21st, 2011. Welcome to Unreddited with Countless Screaming Argonauts, the show that looks at some of our favorite Reddit stories of the week. I'm TFAP, the Fabulous Penguin. And I'm Max. And my name is Denali. Denali, I'm glad to have you here today because I ran into a TIL this week that I thought was right up your alley, right up our alley. And so I'm going to throw it out there and and, uh, get some opinions on this. Okay. Okay. Individual said, Today I learned American voters are more willing to vote for an openly gay person than for an atheist. And that statement was based on a Gallup poll that showed that American attitudes towards electing a gay man or lesbian to the highest office of the White House has changed over the last 10 years. Right now, more than 67% of Americans surveyed would say that they would vote for a well-qualified gay candidate. 94% said they would vote for a black person. 93 said they would vote for a woman. 89 for Hispanic. The one that shocked me, 76% said they would vote for a Mormon. Mm. And the one that surprised me, 49% said they would vote for an atheist. You thought that's high? I thought that that was low. Yeah, well, I do too, but I, I think it's... Uh... <laughs> Unfortunate. So the, what was interesting about it was the comments really were a, a real mixed bag. Clearly you asked me along because of my atheist tendencies. <laughs> Your atheist tendencies, that's right. Let's just uh, say that, that your spirituality is on the checkbox marked other. <laughs> Fair enough. So I, I guess, you know, to me this raises a couple of different issues. First off, do you think that 49% voting for an atheist is low? Did you Were you surprised by that, where 76 would vote for a Mormon? I think it's a question of how many people answered the thing honestly. Uh-huh. Because when you look at the Mormon thing, it's at least naming a sect, okay? Right. And, you, and I, I truly believe that people will trumpet their faith, but they, on, on the on the other side of the coin, don't want to say, I have no faith. And I wonder how many people really know what it means. To be a Mormon? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm entirely serious. Well, to be an agnostic is what I really mean, because I think that that the term atheist is mistaken for agnosticism all the time. Yeah. So how would you how would you distinguish the two of them? I think an agnostic says could be something happened. I don't know what it was. Agnostic meaning not knowledge, whereas an atheist means against or a theist. Theist would be God, so not God. It's 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 sort of knowledge generally versus God specifically. Okay. So you're saying that that uh, people are okay with people who say, I don't know, 
It's fucking complicated. Okay, I just looked it up just to just to make sure that we're clear. Atheism is the theory or belief that God does not exist. An agnostic is a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or nature of God or of anything beyond material phenomenon. A person who claims neither faith nor disbelief. So the atheist says, I don't believe in God, and the agnostic says, how can you say that? You can't know. Right, right. Says you can't know. I'd love to have a conversation, you know, like about four plus five with an agnostic, right? <laughs> it's nine. How do you know? <laughs> right. That's wacky. I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you, Max. I, you see, you listen to CSA, you learn. <laughs> well, and, I, and I've called myself, actually, I've called myself both. When I when I get pissed off, I call myself an atheist. But generally, I call myself an agnostic because I don't know. But I do think that things are knowable. I think 4 plus 5 is 9. I think that's provable objectively. God, on the other hand, the big problem that agnostics and atheists have with God is that it's an argument from authority. Generally... Deists or religious people say there this book says this happened, and I believe because this is the word of God. And you say, well, what makes you think God wrote that book? And then, then they say, you know, either because he did, or because my pastor told me so, or because my mother told me so, and you get into an argument. So, so do you think that 49% voting for an agnostic is high? Do you think that actually it would be less people? Well, we, we no, seem because, to be such a, because we seem to be such a, a uh, fundamentally Christian leaning country. I agree. I yeah. agree. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's an interesting point. Uh, <laughs> maybe it, I can't be objective on this because sure. I've long thought that I want this to be much higher, but maybe that's a very high number. Because, I mean, let's face it, there is no way that certain people are going to get elected president. You just, people, you know, it, every president, particularly since Ronald Reagan, has had to make a show of not only their religion, but their Christianity. And, and isn't it funny that, that that's happened now, but that when John F. Kennedy was running for president... He was bashed for being Catholic. For being Catholic. Well, because... Well, that's because all those Christians are anti-Papist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And, that, and that, that's why the disparity between agnostics and Mormons surprises me. The original authority for Mormonism is Joseph Smith. His authority starts... You know, in 1890 or whenever it is. Uh, particularly, and this is why <laughs> this is why Michelle Bachman's so interesting. Mitt Romney is a Mormon. She's going to go to Iowa and be the most religious and the most conservative in a conservative state in a Republican Party. And then she's going to go to South Carolina, where a huge number of people identify as either Christians or specifically Baptists. And my understanding is Baptists don't think that Mormons are Christians. And there's a, there's a case to be made, you know. That, that, that well, go go see the Book of Mormon. Yeah, sure. So she wins Iowa because she's 
Christian and conservative. She wins South Carolina because she's not Mormon. And from there she goes to – She what? marches right in. <laughs> to Vermont, I think it is, or New Hampshire, I forget, which is a very conservative state. And then they go to Florida. Romney's got to hang on until Florida where you got your, your mix of you know retirees from New York and some other people who maybe get a, a broader and larger population base. I have a hard time seeing Romney – you know, kicking ass in South Carolina. Well, I'll tell you what the difference is, and it always comes down to it, is money. Because I don't think Michelle has the money to hang with him. And Mitt can spend from his own personal coffers for a long time. Yeah. And he'll spend a bunch of money on TV in South Carolina, and he'll be just fine. Relative to Michelle Bachman. Sure. That's what I think. I think, I think you you watch when the when the primaries roll around if there aren't hidden messages in and it'll be hard for us because these ads hidden are, Christian yeah. messages well, yeah hidden anti Mormon messages in right. the South Carolina commercials right you know uh, um, Chris Matthews the last presidential uh, round of election said there's there's two things people want to know uh, I think it was uh, a Tip O'Neill uh, theory they want to know is he okay. And is he one of us? Right. And I think Romney only gets a yes on one of those questions. Right. Whereas <laughs> Michelle Bachman in Iowa and South Carolina, people are going to go, yeah, she's okay. And they're going to go, yeah, she's one of us. But she's batshit crazy. But she's batshit insane. And when she hits New York City and Los Angeles, people are going to go, what the fuck did that woman say? <laughs> Just before we end this uh, this particular uh, thread, I just wanted to pay homage to a, to a couple of comments that were made in this. Th- there was some really funny stuff and some really poignant stuff, too. Uh, two of my favorites were um, this person, I don't know whether they're male or female, CN283, who answered the question, American uh, more likely to vote for openly gay than atheist. Right. And said... I just simultane- I, ju- I was just simultaneously overjoyed and depressed. <laughs> that thought was interesting. Combat Wombat said, I'm glad people would think about voting for an openly gay candidate slash glass half full, which also I thought made, you know, made it interesting. Then there was a whole series of really anti-atheist comments. And I mean really brutal ones. And I, I, I pulled a couple out, but this guy, John Fuex, said, it makes sense if you rephrase it. American voters are more willing to vote for a sassy, hip, fashionable person than for an insufferable prick who's preachy about what they don't believe in. <laughs> Which, well, I, you what, know. What are you going to get from, yeah? each, of the, from each of those candidates? Right? Right, right. I think we are clearly more inclusive of the gay community and I think Sunday is going to be an awesome day in New York City. I think it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you have to enlighten me. What's going on Sunday? Uh, it's the first day you can be married. Same oh, time. right, right. Okay. So and they did, a, they did a lottery, right, for the licenses? Lottery, yeah. I have friends in Brooklyn and I have friends in Queens too because it's, it's split up. <laughs> There's a joke there. Help yeah. me out. <laughs> That's not funny. I'm going to make the statement that we're being more inclusive, and you can go ahead and, and just, just ruin it. Just, that's All right, Denali. It was, so it's when reflective. they're same, 
Mormon marriages, damn it, you can go to Utah, okay? And say, oh, there's a joke here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's a... Penguin, can you do anything about that? <laughs> Maybe in the edit we can uh, cut him out. Yeah, I, I should know better by now. I should know better. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't Sunday's help. going to be a great day in New York City. And, and I think it's great. And I don't see, I don't see the Mormons getting the play that we do, frankly. <laughs> no, you're right. They don't dress as well. <laughs> no. Mo Udall, I believe, was from Utah and was a Mormon and w- ran for president 30 years ago-ish and was completely accepted. His, the, the subject of his religion never came up. As the country has gotten more religious, it's also gotten more sectarian, I think. Uh, just one final note. Somebody quoted a, a Stephen Colbert comment that, that kind of summed the whole thing up. I thought it was great. Stephen Colbert said, Atheists are the least trusted group in America, less trusted even than homosexuals. It makes sense. At least we trust the homosexuals with our hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I had uh, an uncle who was very conservative, just openly listened to Rush Limbaugh and liked it and talked about it. And uh, he had a lesbian couple that moved in in the neighborhood, and he went, you know, they're really nice, and they take care of the place. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and he, he totally turned around. So, but he, you know, he still listened to Rush Limbaugh, and he had other people that he was not so fond of, but I think, I think it's just evidence that, uh, well, I also think it's generational, but it, the, the thing that surprised me was his generation, he in particular, would be willing to tolerate, which I I even hate that word. Uh, I, I've, I had a friend who said, we, we have to move past tolerance to accept it, and I thought that was brilliant, and I do, I think it is. He's an example of it's better to be gay than to be an atheist. As an atheist agnostic, I say, just prove it to me. My favorite guy in the Bible was always Thomas, Doubting Thomas. Because he said, I'm sorry, I want to stick my fingers in the holes. I, you know, I want to see them. Why should I believe this? And uh, that's me. I should have been named Thomas. All right, so Max, what did you bring to the table tonight? Oh, I wanted to talk about Rupert Murdoch a little because... He has such an influence, not only in the United States with Fox News, which is which is overbearing, but in London in particular, which is obviously the biggest city in England, and, and how powerful he is. And his his organization was was spying on dead people, people who had been murdered and and were affected by terrorism, and just. I, I just think that, that uh, he needs to be – well, I, I shouldn't say he needs to go to jail. At this point, they haven't found evidence that he's responsible. I think he is. Secondarily, there's an article that says a News of the World phone-hacking whistleblower was found dead. And third thirdly, his uh, former, I think, chief of staff, main journalist, Andy Colson, was until recently – the chief spokesman for the prime minister, the conservative prime minister in England. Mm-hmm. So there's an awful lot going on there. 
Well, to, to, to address the culpability issue, to me it seems like if you're in charge of the organization, then you're responsible for its actions, no? That's certainly one way to look at it. And they asked him about it, and he said no. He said, I'm not responsible. The people who work for me let me down. I think that if someone dies in a car accident because of a badly engineered car, what turns out to be some bad engineering, are we ready to string up the head of Ford? No. uh, Legally, now we're not. No, there's no... There's no culpability. This, this is part of my crusade. Uh, you're it. telling me that Rupert's responsible. Well, you know, if, if because of if because of bad design, a situation like that happens, and you sue Ford and you win, is not the the CEO of Ford responsible? I mean, didn't we make the CEO of BP Oil responsible for the spill in the Gulf? Not criminally. He'll never go to jail. No, not criminally, but we certainly... Yes, the court of public opinion, and that's the problem. Rupert is this week's whipping boy until next week's teacher in Brooklyn who rapes an eight-year-old comes along. It's, it's a, I think it's another rush to judgment. I think it's unfortunate because his, his conglomerate is so huge, and now he's under a microscope. So are there things that we need to say, Rupert, you fucked up about? Absolutely. Um, is he responsible for bad journalism since Alger Hiss? I don't know. You're right. I rushed to judgment, and and uh, I'm I'm going to stand on that platform and ad- admit it and continue to to make this rush to judgment because he's responsible for the page three girls, and he's responsible. His organization has made a, a travesty out of real reporting, both in London and with Fox News. But they have not found any evidence yet that he said, go do this illegal thing. I think they will. But the fact that he ch- he chooses to say one segment of the reading public likes to see a woman in a bikini and publishes that means that he's what? He's Smart. Horrific? <laughs> No. Uh, uh, well, do you read the New York Times, Donnelly? I do. Yeah. Do you read the the London Sun or whatever that rag was that he was publishing? No, but I read the Post. Yeah. <laughs> it's I read. I read. You know, there are some people in the Post I really like. I like Steve Serby. I like Kevin Kernan. Mostly from the sports side, but I mean, I read page six. It's garbage. I understand that. Do you have you ever picked up Us Weekly? <laughs> Actually, no, but I have bought People magazine. Okay, well then, there you go. Right. Um, well, you know, that's what I was just going to say. I mean, the reality is, is that it's not, it's not Murdoch who changed the way the news is delivered. It's the populations what they wanted that changed the way the news was delivered. If 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 nobody if nobody read the Sun, and everybody kept reading the New York Times, then they would do more New York Times style magazines and newspapers. Well, yes, he's making money. In fact, this brings me to my next point. The Sun was his most profitable organ, and he closed it down. And to me, 
that's suggestive. I admit, not proof, that there's some dirt there. And one person that I heard talking about this case said that one way that he may be able to keep himself from being legally liable is if the sun no longer exists, it can't be subpoenaed as an entity. And that's why they shut it down. See, I think that taking the sun out of the picture and saying, I'm going to cut this cancer out, allows the remainder of his properties to remain publicly viable. All right. It's another way to look at it. Um, I just wanted to bring it up. Uh, Not surprisingly, I'm the one who's, you know, bitching about the conservative newspaper. (laughs) I, I do think that that this woman who recently resigned, uh, Rebecca Brooks, uh, who was his right-hand man, so to speak, knew about these things, uh, the the illegal activity. And there was illegal activity. People have been arrested. They were bribing cops and they were hacking phones. Are we are we suggesting that this is the only journalistic outlet? That has less than 103% scruples? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, we're, we're Let's serious. look at the Times itself, since we're asking about the Times. It's scandal-ridden in the last three years. It's a joke. I, I, I heard somebody say just the other day that, uh, and I don't know the, the publisher's, the main publisher's name, but that he has cleaned up the Times, and the, time was a jo- the Times were a joke eight years ago, but now... Uh, the Times is good again. My point is that is that Rupert Murdoch is not the only publisher of print journalism who's having issues with the way that he gathers news. And, and my point is that that his style of getting news is insidious and criminal. And I think he knew. I think it went all the way to the top. I don't think you can say that. I don't think you can. I don't think you can make that judgment. You're Especially right. not being an agnostic. <laughs> uh, How do well, you know? I don't know. You're uh, you're right. I don't know. I am I'm sticking my neck out. I'm out on a limb. I'm speculating. I, I don't I don't That's know what anything. That's all about. <laughs> so yeah, um, and, and you know, no big surprise. Uh, I'm a lefty. I'm I'm a liberal and. And uh, I don't like the way he runs his papers, so I'm going to make the assumption that, that there was something nefarious going on. But I don't know it for a fact. You're right. Okay, so what else you got? I got this, just a funny picture that was on on the um, WTF section. Mm-hmm. It's just a clip from comedy TV show with the doctors. They're scrubs. Right. One still, and the caption, it, it's... Uh, Dr. Cox, you know, berating uh, Dr. What's-His-Name. And he's, not not that he's berating him, but he's talking to him, and he says, I'm fairly sure if they took porn off the Internet, there'd be only one website left, and it would be called Bring Back the Porn. <laughs> uh, that's funny. In the, in the, um, the off-Broadway show, Avenue Q, with the puppets, there's yeah. a great song called The Internet is for Porn. That's really funny. Rule 34. That's right. I have a TIL. Do you guys remember I Love Lucy? Some people think it's silly, and some people think it's really, really, really funny. 
Uh-huh. I, I think Lucille Ball is a comedic genius. I really do. Yeah, and yeah, I, I completely agree. She had a um, she had a television production company with Ricky called Desi Lou. Right. Because Desi Arnaz and Lucille, right? And so the the Today I Learned on Reddit talks about the connection between Desi Lou and Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek. And it's pretty cool. Um, I won't go through the whole thing, but it's kind of it's kind of neat because I think that you would on the face of it think that's a ridiculous stretch, you know, the trouble with Tribbles and Lucille Ball. But it, it, it's pretty neat. No, There's I, connections to the MGM. Can you can you give me a little idea of how they're connected? Because that's that's fascinating. Can I give you a little connection? Um, it's Paramount TV and Desilu and CBS, and it's the combination of okay. television companies and what you can get through, what you can get by people. Because obviously, when you make a determination that you're going to um, do a television show, especially something as groundbreaking as Trek that had never been done before, you've got to have an in and you've got to get it by people who are making decisions based on how many eyeballs are going to watch this program. And you're talking about a company that had, like, uh, Dick Van Dyke show and so on and so forth, right? And it's one of those things where people who knew people who knew people got the right people, including Roddenberry, in front of the right people at Paramount and, and CBS. You to accept the idea of can, a, we can make this happen. A sci-fi show, yeah. Right. So I was, it's, it's, I was it's, it's not like Desi Arnaz made the, um, you know, Romulan language up or something like that. It's more, <laughs> you know, it's more about um, who do you know and who do you have lunch with that kind of thing. Right. I I had read some stuff about about Lucille Ball and and how, you know, that she besides being a, a comedic genius, just the whole issue of the fact that she was starring in this brand new medium that that nobody really knew where it was going or how it was being dealt with. And she was like years ahead of what was going on using more than one camera, um, just the way they shot the show, all stuff that she was, you know, behind that was like, you know, light years ahead of. But more than that, I I had seen that article also. And I, I pulled up Desilu on, uh, you don't think it was in the Times, do you, Max? <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. I, I think it might have been. I think it might have been in the Wall Street <laughs> Journal. Desilu Studios was home to I Love Lucy and additionally such hit television shows as Star Trek, The Andy Griffith Show, Mission Impossible, Dick Van Dyke, etc., etc. Desilu, Fate, purchased by Gulf and Western in 1967, who renamed the company Paramount Television. Paramount was the company that produced Star Trek. So Desi Lu was Paramount, was Star Trek. And I think Lucille Ball was was a direct decision maker in how they constructed the show. Uh, it says the successor to Paramount Television was Lucille Ball Productions. You got some splaining to do, Lucille. <laughs> you got some splaining to do. It's the only imitation I do. <laughs> the only impersonation I do. There are some small blessings in the world. Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, gentlemen, I think our time is just about up. 
Uh, yeah. We love Reddit. <laughs> we should just yeah take a moment to um, to, uh, to to thank the people at Talk Radio Reddit for giving us this opportunity to be on the uh, to be on the air. We're looking forward to um, get a chance to strut our stuff on the uh, on the internet. Hi, this is Miss Nicole of 8 Beer Sampler Productions. You've been listening to Max and T-Fab-P, the fabulous penguin of Countless Screaming Argonauts, the podcast of record. Listen to their podcast adventures at csapodcast.blogspot.com or download it free from the iTunes Podcast Store. Just search Countless Screaming Argonauts. The boys love to hear from you, so email them at csapodcast at gmail.com. Finally, if you want to show your allegiance to the show, pick up some CSA swag and help make the boys famous. You can purchase hats, shirts, and mugs, along with other appropriate gear, at Cafe Press. Click the link on their webpage. And thanks for listening.